You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, and what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, in Iconium, and in Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you've become convinced of, because you know that you know those from whom you learned it. And time from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. Morning. Great to be with you uh, here this morning for the 11.15. My name is Zim Okoli. I'm one of the ordinances here. I'm training for ministry. Um, we're going to be looking at God's word together. So let me pray as we uh, turn to God this morning. Our Father, we pray that, um, yeah, your peace would uh, come to us this morning, descend in us as we come to sit around your word. Uh, we do pray that um, we'll be that blessed person of someone who and meditating your word day and night. Uh, please help us to receive from you by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, just this week in my Connect group, uh, one of the guys shared a BBC interview that Kate Forbes, the Scottish uh, minister, the, the member of parliament, gave. Uh, she, as you know, ran for the SNP leadership, and she didn't quite get it, but um, she reflected on her experience, and here's what she said. She said, I do think there is a fear which characterizes right now any discussion about faith. I do think people of faith are a minority, and certainly my experience is they are, by and large, fearful. So they either feel like they have to hide their faith or adapt it. And that is a cause for concern. What Kate Forbes is speaking about there is, is this idea that I think for us in Britain, for those of us who are followers of Christ, it's still a quite a new experience being an opposed minority. We're not, we're not used to that quite yet in the UK. And because that experience is quite new and strange for us, uh, we're tempted uh, to hide our beliefs or to adapt in order to gain a hearing, whether that's in politics or in the workplace, amongst friends, amongst family. But this experience, which for us is odd, Paul in our passage today says, it's normal. Uh, did you spot it in verse 12? Paul says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, I'm not sure what you were expecting at 11.15 in the morning on a Sunday, but, but that's what Paul says is normal. How does that make us feel about uh, living openly as Christians? Now, we need to be careful, of course, don't we, how we use that word persecution. Um, 
in the UK, none of us are about to be stoned or beheaded for being a Christian, so let's be careful how we use that word. Um, but we are all called, as the Bible teaches, to be witnesses, to be people who are open about faith in Christ, uh, in our words, and our living. And, and as we seek to do that, uh, sometimes that will mean a bit of, a bit of flack. Um, here's how one writer put it, uh, a theologian called Catherine McCreech. She says this, St. Jerome, the, the fifth century monk, made a distinction between different types of martyrs, literally witnesses. Red martyrs or wet martyrs are those who lose their lives for the sake of the name of Jesus. White martyrs or dry martyrs are those who embrace the cruciform life, that's a cross-shaped life, in the humdrum of their own daily walk. For most of us, our lives do not require the shedding of our own blood. So you see what she's saying there? In our context, we're not going to be losing our lives, but actually we're all called in our daily living to live a cross-shaped, Jesus-centered life, a life that's open to the possibility of hardship for being a Christian. Um, and as she, as she says this, we come to this letter of 2 Timothy, which Paul writes to Timothy, but also to us, to the church, to equip us to endure no matter what, what might come. I don't know if you've been here in the earlier weeks. Chapter 1, Paul says, Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. That's to witness about our Lord. Or about me, his prisoner. And so as we face that prospect, how do we feel about being witnesses? Paul has written this to equip us to endure. When speaking and living as a Christian does not feel like a popular option. And we're going to see how to keep doing that. We're going to see two approaches. Uh, he's going to tell us two things. Firstly, we can be equipped to endure by encouragement from godly examples and by sticking with the scriptures. If you were here last week as Edville uh, preached from the earlier passage, um, we saw two bad approaches. There are some for whom when, when the Christian life becomes unpopular, they, they drift away from the truth. Or worse still, they, they oppose the truth, they, they fight against it. But I don't know if you notice in this passage, Paul says twice, but you, verse, uh, verse 10, you however, and again, verse 14, but as for you, so he's saying, but you, Timothy, but you, church leaders, but you, HCC, do something different, but you endure by encouragement from godly examples and by sticking with the scriptures. So firstly, encouragement from godly examples. There are two amazing women I want to introduce you to. I don't know if you've heard their story before. Uh, they are called Mariam and Mazia. Uh, these two women are Iranian, uh, and they became Christians. Uh, after becoming Christians, they spent some time outside Iran, but then they went back to Iran uh, to witness, and they began to distribute Bibles. And check this out. They distributed over 200,000 New Testament Bibles to people in Iran. Amazing. And as they kept doing this, eventually the, the authorities caught up with them uh, and arrested them. And they spent nine months in a prison. Uh, and this was horrible. They spoke of filthy conditions. They spoke of blankets uh, soaked with urine. Uh, they spoke of the, the, the prison guards uh, threatening them day after day. Deny Jesus Christ or you will be executed. Uh, but they just kept praying. 
And they kept witnessing, even in jail. In fact, they led many people in jail to faith in Christ. Amazing. And he, after, after a while, Amnesty International, Amnesty International heard about their case and, and got them a release, fighting for them, got them released. And afterwards, Mariam, one of the ladies, said this. She said, we believe that it was God's plan for us to be in that prison for nine months. We had great opportunities to share the message with many prisoners. What an encouragement, right? What, what faith, what, what trust in Christ? How do you feel as you hear that story? I'll take it if we're here this morning as a follower of Christ, we're inspired by that, right? We, we take encouragement from that. We, we feel like, gosh, like, there they are, being, being bold for Christ. I, I, can, I, can take an, I can take a step out in faith as well. I can, I can be a bit bolder. Look at my sisters in Christ, how they're living for him. And it's, it's, it's a huge encouragement to us as we hear those stories. And this is the effect that Paul wants to have on Timothy. Uh, look down with me at verse 10. He says to Timothy, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Did you notice in verse 10, Paul says, Timothy, you know, you already know my example. Uh, literally, it's translated from a phrase that means you, you follow my way, you follow my pattern. Paul is encouraging Timothy, look, you're doing stuff right already, just keep going in it. And so can I, can I say to you, uh, HTC, this morning, this morning is about encouragement. God wants to encourage you. If you're, if you're someone who's identifying as a follower of Christ, in a culture where that's increasingly less popular, be encouraged. You're doing stuff right already. Keep going in it. And as we think about what it's going to mean to keep going, we have Paul's example. Paul talks about my teaching. You see, Timothy already knows that Paul was the kind of guy who did not change the gospel in order to make life easier for himself. In fact, Paul says, chapter 2, uh, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering. Paul speaks of his way of life. Timothy knows Paul's life. He knows that Paul's life is a kind of lifestyle that supported the gospel rather than undermined it. Paul goes on, he talks about his, his purpose, his faith, his patience. He says, my love. Uh, just think about this, Paul's love, how much it, his love beat, uh, his heart beat with Christ's love for people that he could say of even his opponents, chapter 2, verse 25, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance. He, he was a guy who overflowed with Christ's love for people, even those who hated him. Paul's example was one of endurance. He said, my endurance. Paul was the kind of guy that just kept at it. He just kept going as a Christian. He was that guy living the cruciform life in the daily humdrum. And no fireworks, just the basic things. Bible, prayer, fellowship. Uh, so much so that even in jail, in chapter four of this letter, we hear, we hear Paul saying to Timothy, when you come to visit me, bring my scrolls. That's his Bible. I want to keep reading the Bible in jail. 
He just kept at, at it as a Christian. Now, I don't know how you feel as you hear this, all of this Paul pointing to himself and saying, look, look at my example. Maybe, maybe some of us are feeling this is a bit egotistical. Like, is it? I mean, there are other Christians, Paul. <laughs> um, maybe some of us are wary. Uh, we think of celebrity pastors who lots of people were looking up to and then they've fallen in quite a spectacular way. And so we're wary about this idea. Well, let me say just two things to that. Firstly, uh, being an example is not a claim to perfection. Being an example is not a claim to perfection. You see, Paul was the kind of guy who was so aware of his own failings that he said in in his first letter to Timothy, he said, um, how does it go again? You got on the screen. He mentioned about how uh, Jesus Christ came to save sinners. There we go. Uh, and he says, I am the worst. You see that Paul is so aware of his failings that he says, I, I feel like the worst sinner. And maybe we hear that and we like it and we think, gosh, um, yeah, a bit of British self deprecation. Like that's, that kind of appeals to us. And we, you know, you think about British people, they, they win the Olympic medal and they're like, Oh, I'm so average, you know, I'm not, I'm not that good. <laughs> think, what's wrong with you? Um, and so we like that kind, of, that kind of thing. But actually, alongside that, Paul is able to say, 1 Corinthians 11, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And he can say that with a clear conscience. And the key thing there is this. Godly examples don't big up self, they big up Christ. Do you see that? Godly examples do not big up self, they big up Christ. And that's what we see Mariam and Mazia doing in their stories. They talk about Jesus. That's what we see Paul doing. Even in this passage, he says, the Lord rescued me, verse 11. He points to the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who empowers his endurance. It's not about me, it's about Christ keeping me going. Uh, just a little side note there. When Paul talks about rescue, he doesn't mean that we're never going to face suffering if we follow Christ. When you read Paul's story in Acts chapter 13 to 14, we find out that actually in Antioch he was kicked out. In Iconium he was spotted against. In Lystra he was stoned. And so when he says the Lord rescued me, he means Jesus Christ enabled me to keep witnessing. He made a way for me to keep witnessing. And that's what he did for Mary Mimazia as well in jail. And that's what he will do for us as we keep going. And so it is right and good to have godly examples to encourage us when we face opposition. Now, we might be wondering, what is that opposition going to look like uh, for us? And we live in quite a unique cultural situation in in the UK, in the West. And here's how uh, one guy, Ben Chang, put it in his book, Christ and the Culture Wars. He talks about our culture and he says, in our culture, the oppressed are those who have experienced discrimination and disadvantage for centuries, such as women, ethnic minorities, gay people, and trans people. But then he asks, who then are the oppressors in our culture? He goes on, naturally the oppressor groups are usually viewed as the antithesis, the opposite of the oppressed groups. Christians have found themselves labeled as the oppressors, the homophobic, transphobic, sexist, racist, anti-liberal, anti-progressive bigots who need to be 
overthrown. So there you go, that's, that's a hot take for today. How do you feel about keeping going? How do you feel about enduring as a witness? So if you're going to do that in this sort of atmosphere, you're going to need all the encouragement that you can get. And so let me just mention two ways that examples can encourage us. Firstly, we have the examples of our local church. Uh, they, don't, they don't like attention being brought to them, but your leaders here at HTC are examples. They're people whose teaching and whose life you can watch, um, your, whether that's the staff team or your connect group leaders. They are examples. Uh, I love our little connect group because actually it's not just the leaders, but we're all examples to each other. Everyone in our connect group is really open about how difficult they find it to be a witness of Christ, uh, especially for in the workplace. But as we share prayer requests and share stories of little baby steps that we're taking, we spur each other on to keep going, to endure as witnesses. Secondly, we have examples uh, in the historic and global church. I'm not sure, has anyone here heard of Open Doors? Uh, hands up if you've heard of Open Doors. Brilliant. So they're, they're a Christian organization that um, you can sign up to their prayer updates on maybe the PrayMate app. And these prayer updates tell you stories of persecuted Christians from all around the world who are facing really difficult situations, but they're remaining faithful. They're keeping going. And this is a great encouragement for us as we pray for them to also endure as witnesses. Uh, you can read about historic Christians throughout the global church. Uh, read about people like William Tyndale who gave his life so that you can have in your hands English Bibles to read. Read about uh, people from all around the global church. One of my heroes, a guy called Samuel Ajayi Crowther, who is a Christian who was a slave and became the first bishop of Nigeria and faced a lot of opposition in his ministry. Read about him. Uh, you, might, you might be thinking, where do I get started with reading these sorts of stories? Well, can I recommend two, two easy books to read? One is a book called The Unquenchable Flame by Michael Reeves, which tells stories of the uh, Reformation and different characters and how they endured. You might read a book called A Fistful, a Fistful of Heroes by John Pollock, which tells stories from uh, all around the world. Short stories, so it's great if you like short things to read, of different Christians and how they endured as witnesses. Uh, feel free to grab me afterwards if you want to have a look at them. So we keep enduring uh, with encouragement from godly examples. But secondly, we keep enduring by sticking with the scriptures. Uh, let's, uh, let's have a look at verse 14 to 15. It says this, But as for you, continuing what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We'll come back to that in a second, but I don't know if people were here a few weeks ago uh, for the baptisms. Hands up if you're here uh, for the baptism services. Brilliant, quite a few of us. Um, wasn't it so encouraging? Wasn't it so good to see so many stories of lives that God was transforming, people who's calling to himself, in Christ, uh, whether that's parents who, who believe in Jesus Christ and are wanting to say, I want to bring up my, my children, uh, sharing that same faith, or whether it was youth and adults who, who are professing that faith for themselves, uh, God, is work, uh, God is at work at lives uh, in HCC. And a common story for all those people, whether it's the parents or whether it's the, the youth and adults professing, a common 
theme for all of them is that God's word has been at the center of their story. As they've heard about Jesus Christ in the scriptures, they said, yes, I want to believe in him. And Jesus saves those who believe in him. And that story, says Paul, is the same as Timothy's story. It's what we read just there. He says to Timothy, continue in what you have learned. Stick with what you have learned, Timothy. Keep going. And what is it Timothy has learned? He has learned the Holy Scriptures. And Paul says, from infancy, from infancy you've learned it. Let me repeat an experiment that Tim Jones did, uh, one of the curious, in in a service a few weeks ago. Uh, Stick your hands up if you had some sort of Christian upbringing, maybe it's Christian parents who took you along to church. Uh, Someone in your life, in your upbringing, was a Christian who helped you. Would you stick your hand up if that's you? Brilliant. So that's, that's maybe 90% of this. And that's not to exclude anyone for whom that's not the story. It's just to show that that is the main way in which people believe in the scriptures and are saved. And it's not just a HTC, it's a national thing. Uh, there's a survey called Talking Jesus, which you might have come across. And there, here's some national statistics. So over 60% of people would say that the two biggest influences on why they're Christian is growing up in a Christian family, and reading the Bible. So basically, parents sticking to the scriptures. Another way of seeing it is this. When asked, at what age did you become a Christian? Most people would say, from birth. As in, I don't remember a time when I wasn't following Jesus. And so can I say to you, especially on this Father's Day, if you're someone who's a parent, or maybe you hope to be a parent, the greatest favor you could do to your children is to stick to the scriptures. You see, most of us here this morning are thankful to God that our parents stuck to the scriptures. Now, sometimes that will feel like a hard thing to do. You might feel opposition as you, as you come across the kind of things you, your children are going to hear at school or on the internet, or as they themselves ask you hard questions around the dinner table. But stick to the scriptures. This is how people are saved by and far, the greatest way that people are saved. It's Timothy's story. We read in chapter one, his, his grandmother, Lewis, his mother, Eunice, they shared the scriptures with Timothy. So let us stick to the scriptures. Now, I might be thinking, Paul, what is, you know, why all this sort of hot and buttered stuff about the scriptures? There's lots of good things we could be doing as Christians. We can be in uh, evangelism. We can be helping the poor. Lots of things. Why do you keep going on about the scriptures? And the reason is this, Paul says the scriptures are sufficient for saving and transforming lives. Have a look at verse 16 uh, with me. Paul says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did you notice Paul says all, all scripture? And he says every good work. Uh, The fancy term for this is the sufficiency of scriptures. Paul is saying that in God's word, we have everything we need to do all that God wants us to do. You can remember it this way. The Bible teaches us all we need for all God wants to give. The Bible teaches us all we need for all God wants to give. We serve a God who wants to give salvation. Verse 15, Paul says, the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation. 
I once knew someone who said, this ministry thing is no joke thing. And he was right. <laughs> because in this book, the Bible, for many of us on our phones in our pockets, we have words that change people's eternity. Just think about that for a second. The disciples say in John chapter 6, to, to whom else shall we go? Jesus, you alone have the words of eternal life. And so we need, and our friends need us to stick to the scriptures. There's nowhere else to find eternal life. God wants to give transformation. Have a look at verse 17. The scriptures, uh, sorry, verse 16, the scriptures are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, I'm not sure how you feel as you hear that list. Teaching and training, they sound a bit positive. I could do some teaching. I need some training. Yep, yep. Rebuking, correcting, sound a bit more negative. Uh, rebuking is just a word that means warning against sin. sin. And correcting is showing people how to change. Here are the steps to change. And that can feel a bit jarring for us. And I think part of that is because we, we do live in a culture that uh, many people have described as one of expressive individualism. Now, I can hear you all asking, what is expressive individualism? Well, thankfully, we have a guy to help. A guy called Charles Taylor, a philosopher, put it this way. He says this, in our culture, people are called upon to be true to themselves and to seek their own self-fulfillment. What this consists of, each person must, in the last instance, determine for him or herself. No one else can or should try to dictate its content. Now, if that's the sort of culture we live in, you can see why some people are opposed to the Christian faith. Uh, because along comes the Bible saying, here's, here's a bit of rebuke and here's a bit of correction. And in our culture, that feels oppressive. But is this actually true? You see, Paul says in verse 17, the scriptures equip us for every good work. Every good work. The Bible is not there to help us harm people, but to help us do good to people. And so it's, it's meant to help us produce people who live attractive, Christ-like lives. And so I take it that we do need to uh, repent as Christians and apologize for the times when we've used the Bible to look down on people. But I also want to say ultimately there'll be times when God's word calls us to change. Those times will come. And so what are we to do when we, when we feel that jarring against us? Um, a New York pastor called Timothy Keller put it this way. Some of you will know he passed away a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago. But he says this, now, what happens if you eliminate anything from the Bible that offends your sensibility and crosses your will? You will have a Stepford God. He's referring to the film, The Stepford Wives, people you just control. He says, you'll have a Stepford God, a God essentially of your own making, and not a God with whom you can have a genuine relationship and interaction. So an authoritative Bible is not the enemy of a personal relationship with God, it is a precondition for it. You see what he's saying there? 
if we really want to take hold of the real God, not one who's just made up by us, well, the real God is a God who's speaking to us and inviting us into relationship. And part of that is, is change. He wants to transform us. And this is what Paul affirms as we come to the end of our passage. He says this in verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed. He's saying that these scriptures come from the real God. They find their origin and power in God. The Spirit of God is that breath who, who moved and inspired the biblical writers, whether it's Paul or Isaiah or David, to write in their own way and in their own style, but everything according to what God intends for us to hear. Uh, the, the fancy word is divine inspiration. And so when we come to the Bible and we find it correcting us, please hear that it is the words of your creator, our heavenly father, who wants what's best for us. And as we, as, we, as we listen to his word and stick to them, we will find that not only is he saving us and transforming our lives, but he will include us in that good work of seeing others saved and transformed. And so we stick to the scriptures. Amen. Let me pray as we come to an end. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But as for you, continuing what you have learned and have become convinced of. Our Father, we thank you so much that you have given us everything we need to endure as your witnesses. We thank you so much for the godly examples that we have in your word and around us. And we thank you so much for the scriptures, which are sufficient for all that you call us to be and to do. And so would you help us by the Holy Spirit to, to keep going another day, another week, and one step at a time. In Jesus' name, amen.